1: Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. And now, the group you've all been waiting for: the Lovers of Five.
2: Hi, I'm David. And I'd like to tell you about my favorite number, which is the number five. And the number five is my favorite number because it has one straight line here. And then it has a round line on the bottom here. And then it has another line on the top. I love singing about the number five. Give me five, five. ah, give me five. Give me five.
1: Give me one, two, three, four. Give me five. Give give me uh, one, two, three, four. But if you love me more,
2: give me five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me five.
3: Oh, yeah. Give me five. Hello, everyone. This is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you in to another edition of the Five by Five. A so 5x5 is a part of the ChairShot Radio Network on the Chairshot.com where we remind you to always use your head.
1: Thechairshot.com. Always use your head.
3: And it has been a hot minute or two since we have done a five x five here on the Chairshot Radio Network. But the other day, I was sitting around the house. Actually, that's not even true. That's not even true. I was at work. <laughs> I was at I was at work, not not doing work. So, if my boss, who's a big fan of the five by five, is listening, sorry, man, but it was for the good of the podcast. I needed to get it done. Steve will get it, uh, and, and he will he will accept that five by five inspiration happens, and you just have to act on it right away. And this is this is the truth. Like I was sitting around and this inspiration for for a five by five topic popped in my head and i was like okay i gotta act on this now because if i just write it down and think about it and kind of get excited about it i'm gonna forget to do it and i'm gonna forget to do it with the co-host that i want to have guest co-host with this this week or on this episode and you heard him chuckle when we were kicking off the show. Well let's bring him in fully. The violent gentleman, member of the bandwagon nerds, Aesop Mitchell, how are you, sir?
1: Oh, hi, y'all. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. It's it's the end of my long week. So this is like Saturday is that type of day where I'm still doing work but still trying to like catch up on the sleep that I've In devoid of in my life so uh yeah you know surviving is basically what i've been doing
3: well then i you know thank you then for taking a little bit of time to you know pause catching up on that sleep and recovery to spend some time today on the five by five but as i mentioned i specifically so folks we we don't know when this episode will air so this to give you sort of a snapshot and a time frame, we are in the midst on bandwagon nerds currently of recording the seventies television project. And the last episode that has has dropped for bandwagon nerds prior to this recording was the our top ten family programs, where PC Tony flaunted the rules and, and basically used it to put a bunch of sitcoms that he didn't want to have on his comedy episode, and he'll get his comeuppance, I'm sure, when uh, uh, when we start the the action show, or was you know it had to have a family. I, I uh, wish I'd had a Fast and the Furious like Dominic Toretto. Uh, it's you know what he says—it's about family. At some point, I'm sure in all ten of those movies that that they're working on. But anyway, so I was re-listening the whole this—the inspiration for this project. I was re-listening to the the '70s project episode of Family Programming, and in putting this project together, there, it is no secret that the nerds have had feelings about the topics or the genres that we are going from. And Mr. Uh, Aesop here was very vocal on on his displeasure with something as nebulous as a category described family as family as, as one of the topics. And, and the reasoning being, he was like, I'm just going to do 10 cartoons for the animated episode. Now, of course, once you listen to the episode, he changed his mind. He made some decisions uh, he just couldn't, I guess, in good conscience. After ba- you know, arguing that every Hanna Barbera cartoon from the '70s was basically the same show, he yes. he picked he picked the best <laughs> of the best out of those shows. And you should go back and listen to that episode. I I really liked that episode, inappropriate joking to the max, notwithstanding. Because there's a lot of wrong jokes in there, fans. But it I still stand by that episode. I feel like it was a very good episode, even though it did not portray myself in the best of lights.
1: You stand, you stand by the content that we produce, not some of the things that were not some of the things that
3: may have been applied or said. But so I was re-listening this episode, and it it just kind of got me. It got me thinking about animation in general, and and, you know, as children, as a children's medium first, but but for anybody who's listened to Bandwagon Nerds and has has heard me talk about it, has heard Asop and Dave and Ray Cash. We, we all are very, very passionate fans of animated works. And, and for me in particular, and I think Aesop, you agree And why I thought of you, animated films. And so I thought we would do something a little bit different with the 5x5 this time around. And basically give a... Both lists are positive lists. Usually when we do the 5x5, it's... These are the, these are shining examples of a good thing. These five are shining examples of a bad thing. Like the last time, the last time Aesop and I or actually one of my favorites cuz you always make me do work when when you come up with topics is still the uh, the rotten tomatoes uh, scoring one where we picked the worst yeah. high scoring rotten tomatoes films and the best poor scoring rotten tomatoes films. That w- that was great. For this particular episode of the 5x5, five five, Aesop and I have put together our list of the top five animated films everyone has seen. And then we've put together our top five list of animated films everyone needs to see. And, not gonna lie, had a lot more fun working on list number two than I did on list number one. Uh, and yeah. I'm sure you did too.
1: Yeah, um, I'm not gonna lie... You know, I always talk about like <laughs> the first list is definitely not negative. Right. I don't necessarily agree with that because there are there is at least one movie on there that I know everyone has seen that I just can't stand watching anymore. Interesting. So, um, but also limiting myself to just five in the back half is excruciating. Yeah, so,
3: it will all, allow you three honorable mentions when we get to the everyone needs to see i have three as well you don't get to talk in depth about them but you get to drop the top you get to drop the titles so what we're gonna yeah what we're gonna do though is we're gonna take our first commercial break and when we come back we're going to jump right into our top five animated films everyone has seen so uh sit back relax and when we come back we're gonna regale you with what we think are you know the top 5 films everyone top 5 animated films everyone has watched you're listening to the 5 by 5 on the chairshot radio network part of the chairshot.com
0: all right welcome back to
3: the five by five i am here joined by the violent gentleman aesop mitchell and we are here talking our top five animated films everyone has seen followed by our top five animated films everyone needs to see as i said prior to the commercial break we are going to do the top five films top five animated films everyone has seen in this first segment Uh, Just a couple of reminders and one caveat that Aesop and I agreed to with this particular list. So, just like if you listen to Bandwagon Nerds, you know how this works. Aesop and I have our list of five. We're going to take turns talking about uh, our selections. If one of us has a film higher on the other's list, we will pause that selection until we get to it. At the highest point, it shows up on one or the other's list. The other caveat that we made as an agreement because if we didn't it probably would have resulted in one studio having a complete list of five we did agree to limit disney films to two and here's here's something you talked about you know a film on your on this list that you argue everyone has seen but you just can't stand my interesting uh thing that came out of this list i don't have a pixar film On my five, and I'm sure that's, yeah, that's. I knew that was going to be surprising to a lot of
1: folks, but yeah. Spoiler: there is definitely a Pixar film on my list,
3: and I I don't. It just sort of worked out that way, if that makes any sense. Like when I think when I think about the time, and you know this because you've commented. on There's two types of animation that I I tend to appreciate. I, I really love um hand-drawn cell animation uh so earlier animation you know like traditional animation and the way that's worked um and then i love stop motion animation and there there is no stop man stop motion animation on this top five films everyone has seen there's definitely stop motion animation on the top five animated films everyone needs to see but i'm sorry that's stunning to 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 I'm also shocked as well as to why there's not
1: one in the, uh, in the first part.
3: Because it, I'm, if, it's, if it's what I'm thinking you think I would put, I actually don't care for that movie as much as a lot of other folks have seen, even though it has been wa- it's been in part maybe because it's been watched to death, but I also don't think it's that good of a film. And I can explain why if you want to talk about it when it falls off the list. We'll get there. Um, we'll get there fair enough so for the top five animated films everyone has seen i will go first and Asop will go second and we will trade that way and then for animated films everyone needs to see we will do Asop first and i will go second so i'm not going to say my honorable mentions and we won't say our honorable mentions until after the list just in case it's on somebody else's list because it's possible that mine is on here uh but i don't know but we'll see. So I will kick it off. My number five is my is my first of two Disney flicks that I put on here. Though you may now that I'm looking at this, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it, and I'll let you push back on me uh, if you feel that one of my selections counts as a third Disney movie. But my first choice is a classic, one of the OG. Disney princess character animated films. And I love it, not because of the princess, but because of the villain, arguably my favorite, and I would fight to the death, best Disney villain of all time, at Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty
1: That's accurate.
3: Is, is far and away my favorite old Disney animated princess film. And Maleficent is... Still, in my opinion, there have been great Disney villains throughout the years. Still, in my opinion, the greatest animated Disney villain of all time. She curses a child for not being invited to a party. That's it. Fuck you all. And she tries to kill her. She tried, like, the, the curse is that she pricks her finger on a spinning wheel spindle and dies. And it takes three good fairies to prevent. Or one good fairy to prevent death being the result, but the style of the animation was—I love how it's drawn. Uh, just that it's very sharp, angular features, and I and I wish I knew the history of that animated process because I know it's patterned off of something very, very specific. Uh, but yeah, I love it. It's it's a very much darker in tone. Then you would see, um, even I would argue, then Snow White or Cinderella. You know, Snow White with the fight on the cliff and the, you know the chase, like that's pretty dark stuff. in like the dungeon, yeah. but like Maleficent's castle, the you know racing to racing to free Prince Philip, Prince Philip fighting through the thorns and the dragon. Just just the dragon is the best thing ever. When we were at Disney World on our on our last trip. The one souvenir I had to buy was I got... This is what kicked me into pin trading this time around. Is it was an awesome Maleficent pin for holding her scepter. Uh, and I was like, must have that. And now it is on my uh, bulletin board in my office uh, right next to like my calendar of events. So number five for me, Sleeping Beauty.
1: That, that's a great choice. Um, I love Sleeping Beauty. It's very funny to me considering that... The main character, Princess Aurora, is probably the least interesting character in the film. Absolutely. She's bland.
0: Flora, Fauna,
1: and Meriwether are great. Obviously, Prince Philip is like truly awesome. Maleficent is at the very top, despite her retconning in... Yeah, we don't
3: talk about those movies. Those movies don't exist.
1: Yeah. So, very disappointed on that end. But, uh, all in all, uh, the, the art like you were saying is so textural. Uh it's got it, it's got some weight behind it and it kind of has those like weird like um second generation looney tunes films, you know, yep. or like cartoons where they they had like like the patterns and textures to everything and you you could kind of feel like you wanted to reach out and grab it. That's how I feel about um about Sleeping Beauty. Absolutely. Excellent. Thank you. You're number five, sir. My number five, one of two stop motions. Again, I'm surprised you don't have any in your People Everyone's Seen. I put Chicken Run. See, (sighs) confession, I I hate that guy. That guy? Just as in Wallace and Grom?
3: Like, that whole, like, I, I've i just never cared for the humor. I've never, I, I, and that's not even the one that I thought you were going to say yet. But, um, yeah, I've never, I've never, I've never appreciated the studio. And, and I'll own that. Like, that's, that's a me problem, not anything else. Um, so I'm going to let you talk about Chicken Run uh, because I really shouldn't talk about it. <laughs>
1: Uh, chicken run the story of some British chickens that are trying to get the fuck off a di- of a chicken farm because uh, they don't want to die. It's pretty straightforward until Mel Gibson comes and fucks up their life, uh, and, which is you know apropos for it being Mel Gibson. But the, the art, uh, I know that you just said it's not your thing. But um now I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Ardman, Ardman Animations uh is very famous for so like I said Wallace and Gromit. They did the somewhat maligned Flushed Away from like 10 years ago. Uh and I can't you remember You can watch
3: one. You can watch that now on um it's streaming. I think on Netflix now, Flushed Away. I, I saw that one. Maybe it's Netflix, maybe it's Amazon Prime. I can't remember which one. Um Anyway, that's completely irrelevant. I, I cut
1: you off. But it's a it, it's a nice little story. I, I think it's adorable. It's hilariously rated like one of the best films of the two thousands on like IMDb. If you look, it's it's got like a ninety nine percent or something like that, which I find truly hilarious because it's not that great. But I think everyone has seen Chicken Run in some capacity, and. Arguably, uh, Ardman Animation's Chicken Run is probably the first thing that you think of before Wallace and Gromit. Which, yeah. in Wallace and Gromit's pretty damn good. Curse of the Were-Rabbit was a, a fun little film. And uh, and, and
3: without... No, no, go ahead. Finish it. I
1: was going to say, that's what got him into... Exactly.
3: Yeah, I was going to say, Wallace and Gromit allowed Ardman Entertainment to make other films and to take and take some of those risky i don't even know if riskier decisions is the right answer but like man
1: anyway um was that pirates yeah that was the other they did that was also actually like slept on like that's that one could be uh an honorable mention that i forgot to put down but um yeah yeah i went with um with chicken run for my number five
3: excellent all right well what's your number four then
1: all right, my number four, uh, I I still am kind of at odds with myself as to which one I want to put here, but I, I'm going to take the trilogy that I feel surprised me more than anything. I'm just going Kung Fu Panda in general.
3: Nice. I, DreamWorks makes its appearance.
1: Kung Fu Panda 1, 2, and 3 are all so pleasantly good. They are all good with a loaded cast. Obviously, Jack Black, uh, Lucy Liu, uh, Jackie Chan, Seth Rogen, David Cross, Dustin Hoffman. I I mean, and I still am missing big ones. Angelina Jolie and uh, the bands. It's nuts how stacked uh, Kung Fu Panda is. Just nuts.
3: Yeah, I... uh... Yeah, it's really really funny, and yeah, I can't like some animated franchises, and and I, I guarantee you, we're gonna talk about one that at least on my list uh, that lose steam as they continue to go, and I and I'm really worried about a particular uh, Pixar franchise that just seems to keep cranking out movies, even though they promise that they're done and they need to stop, but. Kung Fu Panda has held off pretty well. And if they keep it at a trilogy, it's in a good, it's in good shape. Um, and hopefully they do that because you're right. They're great, but they make money. And that's the other the thing about animated films that they, they, they make solid money for a studio.
1: The, the thing is though, is with like, as opposed to the Pixar film, which I'm sure, uh, it will be mentioned. Um, there is a level of care in Kung mm-hmm. Fu Panda that I was just not ready for. So I saw the first film and I was like, wow, all right, this is pretty good. And then I heard Kung Fu Panda 2 and I go, uh-oh. But then I watch it and I go, is this even better than Kung Fu Panda? And then I watched the third one and I, I have that same type of feeling and, and similarly just have the, the same reaction where I'm just like, wow, no, th- everyone in this film Puts forth a ridiculous amount of effort right. to it that you just wouldn't think. Jack Black sounds insanely passionate throughout Kung Fu Panda, just which is so. Passionate.
3: And and that's kind of where I got dismissive of the franchise to start with. Because when you sometimes when you think Jack Black, you don't necessarily th- like you think. Um, those it's funny you go back and you look at school of rock school of rock has way more heart than you expect it to uh but like you're like this is the guy who does tenacious d and you know his you know what's that that movie with gwyneth paltrow that's just terrible shallow Hal. yeah the fat shaming one and (laughs) you're just like this guy makes you know is the lead on these really kind of heartfelt outcasts finding his way
1: Gulliver's Travels.
3: Yeah. Like, so, yeah, good choice. Not not what I was expecting, but um, good choice. I, I like it. My number four, uh, for the longest time, this guy worked for Disney uh, and was one of their top animators and then grew very dissatisfied with the work that he was doing with Disney and said, fuck you all, I'm going to go and start my own studios and I'm going to compete with you. And in the eighties, he put out three or four, or three or four very notable films. One that I have on my everyone needs to see list, um, and, and that could be debatable, I'm sure. But the first, the the first choice that I have from this guy, Don Bluth, is his name, uh, has a very distinctive style of animation, and he put out a little movie about a mouse who immigrates with his family. From Russia to the United States in the early 1900s. And become separated. And that movie is called An American Tale. Most people don't even know the name of the movie. They just say, I'm watching Fievel. Uh, Little Fievel Mouskiewicz. On his quest to find his family. Singing somewhere out there. Everybody Mm in the 80s saw this fucking movie at the theater. And... and and it's you know it's a it's a rose-colored glasses look at the 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 experience of immigrating to the united states um but i like i'll watch it every time it's on there it's it it it, and i'll even say this it's not my favorite of the don bluth movies but i would i would argue it's if it wasn't the most watched it was the second most seen um out of out of the big ones and it spawned multiple think- sequels, as did the other weak one.
1: Well, multiple? I, d- I just know only one. I know five. No, there's went.
3: there there's multiple five old sequels. There no- yeah, there's at least three.
1: Holy shit! Um, yeah, I, Don Bluth is such a conflicting figure to me. Because, right. Man, when Don Bluth is on, Don Bluth is on. Yes. But then you get movies like Pebble and the Penguin or A Troll in Central Park. Yes. In which that just needs to be burned, burned. Uh, and you know what? I, I have a a small place in my heart for Don Bluth, obviously. Yep. Do you have any more Don Bluth on your films list? No, yeah, not, uh,
3: I do not on my, everyone has seen, I do have one yeah. on everyone needs to see. So I want to keep okay, that quiet.
1: I, I just want to shout out. I think everyone has also seen some form of land before time. Yes,
3: absolutely. Yeah. When yeah I, that, like said, if if I didn't do an American tale, I would have done the land before time. Um yeah. And there are, yeah, there are three American tale films. The third one was made in 1998 and is about uh, something to do with Manhattan. So.
1: Wow. Um, and, and then the other one I, I won't mention just in case, but uh, it spun off to be a great musical. Um, and <laughs> I, uh, I love that one more. than Oh, no, I'm no, no,
3: to- no. Are you talking about Anastasia? Yes. No, I actually don't have Anastasia on there. So that's, that's actually good I had to be sure. All right.
1: Yeah, uh, Anastasia might be his best film.
3: It's that weird. fell right out there, sir. I just when he yeah. when he falls so, apart. Hank Azaria at his best, not doing a racist talk. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: All, All right. Also great stuff from there too.
3: Nice. All right, so that brings it to brings us to my number three, uh, and this is a franchise. This is one of the franchises that I feel like has gone on too long, uh, and that's the Shrek franchise. Higher on your list. Three for me as well. Oh, all right, excellent. No, we we, at number three. we we did this one other time when we did this show where we like we just matched up left to right. I love Shrek and and Shrek two to death, love them to death. Shrek the third is kind of okay. Shrek Forever After, it, oh, no, no, it's so bad. It's it's a wonderful life is basically what what mm-hmm. we did there. And it's I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate that that's what happened to that franchise. But 1 and 2 are some of the best animated films I've ever seen. Like, so good. Shrek
1: 1 is surprisingly good, especially when you consider the source material that it came from, which does not translate properly. And it's also one of those biggest what-ifs. Because uh, I would think most people know. Yeah, Farley what's supposed to be Shrek. I don't think it becomes that level of big if you don't have Mike Myers.
3: Right. Oh, not at all. And to take that even a step further, that Mike Myers changed his mind about how to play Shrek after dropping his voice track and then went back and demanded that we switch it to the Scottish accent we know, which frankly... I can't imagine the character any other way after he did it. And it yeah. was a gamble. And kudos to DreamWorks for taking that risk. Because if that didn't happen, whew, who yeah, knows? Who knows? what? The, that's another one. the of.
1: Flash movie.
3: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Um, yes, we would. But also, too, if you haven't, the spinoffs of those, the first Puss in Boots, whatever. But this last one? This I last one is really good.
3: I haven't seen it yet, uh, which is which is too bad. I just haven't had the time. Uh, even are, even the stylistic changes to the animation and the look of it, I think, is awesome. It looks very like painted, is kind yeah, of the way I describing it.
1: There are a there are a plethora of critics out there that are saying this is the best Shrek film. So that's oh, okay. That's the type that's of huge. stuff they're putting out there, and you right. already know how much love the first Shrek film got. I mean, it right. beat, what, Monsters Inc., right? So, yep. you know, craziness. Craziness. And uh, yeah, dude, Shrek, 100%. Everyone knows Shrek. Everyone.
3: Yes, absolutely. All right, we're to your number two.
1: My number two. This is my film that I find to be insanely overrated A Nightmare Before Christmas. That's this is the one.
3: No, 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 this is the oh, movie. God. This is what the, you were, you said I'm surprised you don't have any stop motion and I would assume people would think this the the second act of that film is boring as hell. It's boring. It's nothing happens. You're just running in place. But it is the cult following that has then really been embraced by Disney because if you go for example, you go to Disneyland from Halloween on that haunted mansion overlay turns into the nightmare before Christmas. You can meet Jack Skellington at Disney world as part of a character meet and greet like the, that exposure and, and the merchandising behind it has, has lofted it to a point that it's, it's legendary, but that second act is, is it drags. It's a fine film.
1: You know, I, I when you had me make these lists, um i was thinking about it and i really got into my head i was like you know what oogie boogie isn't the bad guy here <laughs> like jack's the, bad, really guy. Jack's yeah, the jack's bad guy jack's the bad guy which which i think the
3: movie ass. actually and the movie actually tells you right like the movie actually tells you and shows you that he's the bad guy like he's not to be celebrated until the end when he learns his lesson
1: yeah but you, you end up killing a guy for it like say what you want Oogie Boogie I mean, didn't deserve to die. He was just trying Oogie, to keep...
3: Oogie, Oogie Boogie was going to kill Santa Claus, dude. I, I don't know if I could go quite that
1: far. He was trying to keep Halloween Town together. You know? That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's
3: certainly a take. It's- <laughs> uh,
1: also, yeah, like I said, the, it's an, it's also an insanely short movie. Yep. I don't think people realize how short that movie is. It's like barely an hour, um, but like, yeah, the visuals are fantastic. Uh, honestly, some of the music is really good too. Jackson oh, yeah. is a very fun song. Outside of that, the movie is average at best. Right. get, off, hey, hey. get, get out of here. You know, leave it out of hot topic. Like, I, I'm done with it.
3: No, it. it I mean, where? What would? Hop topic, hop topic. Do for business. If it didn't have overpriced Nightmare Before Christmas yes. merchandise, yeah, it's true. It's fair. <laughs> All right. So that, that brings it to my number two. My number two, brought to you by Sony Animation Studios. I argue it is the greatest Spider-Man movie ever made. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. It yes. Uh I. No Spider-Man movie has ever made me cry until I watched Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and the Prowler of all things talking to Miles and telling him he's the best of them and that he can't stop. Like, oh my God! So and the again risks the animation risks taken in that film where you have multiple styles of art. Playing on top of each other. When you've got Looney Tunes style animation for Spider-Ham. You've got the black noir. Like straight out of a Dick Tracy weekday comic strip look. To the slick look of the kind of the base universe with, with Miles. It's awesome. It's so good. And the story is terrific. In, in in all of the iterations I've ever seen of a character wrestling with becoming who they are going to become spider-man into the spider man first and miles Morales gets it right the most without question for me I love it and you can't change my mind you just can't
1: change my mind it's my number two no it I there's no disagreement here I think spider-man into the spider- verse is the best and it's not even close like no I don't think so either at all it's so far and away the best Spider-Man film. Um, and that's without the the art and all that. I, story-wise, it is the best. It is so damn good. Now, I'm excited for... Uh, what is it? Into the Multiverse, right? Yes. At the but... same point, I'm worried because of it. Because it's such a good film. How do you match up with what you produced in your first go around. It so was a really high bar. I sure as hope you can do it because your your track record of your other animation films are not good. It's just right. not. So, uh I'm I'm hoping and praying that we get the same level uh or even just I'll even take a hair less. I'll take a hair less uh and you'll know, give them that that bit of leeway. Because I just appreciate that franchise that much.
3: Right. Yeah, I, um, I'm i nervous for it too. I am. I'm nervous about it. I'm excited, but I'm nervous. So, all right. So that brings us to number one. My number one is my second Disney choice. It's the only other animated film that gets me when I watch it every time. It is the Disney film I will point at people to tell them you can't tell me that an animated feature film can, can be art as well as something kids can see and appreciate. It's The Lion King. Um, the Lion King is one of the few animated films that I will argue until I'm blue in the face is better on a, a movie screen. Uh, every time because and and it's and it's the beginning and end sequences of that film on pride rock and the magnificent scope of it all it's it's phenomenal you, we talk about stories you were talking about a great story with, with Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse it's it's kids Hamlet basically is the way that a lot of people yeah. talk about it and, and follow that story and it's just it's amazing it's beautifully done it, the only problem I have with the Lion King is that, you know, because of the time and era that it was made, he got about a, he got a bunch of white people doing African voices and, and that's a product of the time, but it's problematic and it unfairly, uh, it unfairly I think vilified the, uh, quote unquote live action animation remake that, that they did later because that that film i will argue is a better film than it gets credit for because people lambasted it for not being the the uh, original animation but phenomenal yeah. music phenomenal story uh I, I, it is it is the animated film i will watch on a whim if i just want to watch some animation so the lion king number one for me
1: yeah i mean that's the gold standard of the golden era right right uh, i, I mean- at least at least for me, that is the golden era of Disney films. Um they just pumped out classic after classic after classic after classic after classic after classic. After classic. And even the low points, so, you know, I'm putting air quotes around it, something like Hunchback of Notre Dame is still a really good film. You know what I mean? Right. It's not like we're going back I know a lot of people want to say Golden Era, you know, is Snow White and Cinderella and shit. Well yeah you know, it's not exactly not exactly that mid '90s, late '80s, '90s, and arguably up until the 2000s, where Disney just could not do wrong. Right? There's not a single bad movie in that in that. Yeah, decade.
3: starting with starting with the Little Mermaid, starting with the Little Mermaid, and moving forward, like they r- crushed it. Like they found it and brought it all back. And oh, it was a you you knew that if Disney put out a film that it animated that that a song was going to win an Oscar, and you generally knew that there was no point in having the animated feature category because it was going to go
1: to a Disney to movie. Yeah, so. yeah, and you had to go and see it. It wasn't oh, yeah. it wasn't a choice. You had to go, uh, and arguably, I I don't think again. I don't think it's close. I say that. Lion King is at the very top it's the pinnacle of that 90s success just so good Um, and that'll lead me into my number one which I'm sure you are not surprised it's Toy Story everyone has seen Toy Story I don't even need to mention the other two you know four at this point but everyone has seen Toy Story Right, it is you know, Lion King. I would say Lion King and Toy Story are one A, one B when it comes to Disney slash Pixar slash Disney Pixar. You know, right, right, that, right. That, that is the very top of the Pixar food pyramid, and it just it, it still holds up so well. Right, it's so fucking good. I love Toy Story. Right, uh, this, is, this,
3: is this is this is the other franchise though that uh, I'm getting a little little antsy about. Like, Toy Story, in my opinion, should have stopped at three. Yes, we've now had four, which was kind of mad. Five. five? There's five. Plus, them uh, now? Lightyear. Oh, you're counting Lightyear, which funny, yeah. uh, oddly enough, oddly enough, uh, the little O'Dowd really liked Lightyear. Uh, has not been interested in the Toy Story movies at all. Saw Lightyear and was like, I like that. Interesting to me that that's how that worked out for him. I've tried to, like, we tried to watch Toy Store and he was like, meh, I don't care for these. But, you know, when Andy when Andy gives away his toys at the end of three, like, Jesus Christ, that's amazing. Or four, whichever one that is.
1: Yeah, that's three. Yeah, that's yeah. three. And, like, even even as, like, they're about to get thrown into the lava. like The uh, incinerator, Yeah. And you know they're not going to die. You're still. like I'm crying. I'm crying. You bastards! How dare you? Uh, but again, that doesn't happen without Toy Story and the the iconic roles of Woody and Buzz. Um, just ring true so much. Uh, it's got one of my favorite quotes in in film in j- itself. You know, where he can't find his hat and the shark pops up and goes, i Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. I love that. (laughs) Fucking love that every time. Um, Yeah. Everyone has seen a Toy Story movie. Everyone.
3: Absolutely. 1,000%. All right. So there you have it, everyone. Our top five animated films Everyone has seen, surprisingly, only one overlap this time between myself and Aesop. We're going to take our second commercial break. When we come back, we're going to do our top five animated films everyone needs to see. You are listening to The 5x5 on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com All right, welcome back everyone. You're listening to the 5x5 here on the Chair Shot Radio Network. I am joined this time around with Aesop Mitchell, the Violent Gentleman, and we are talking animated films. We just gave you our top 5 animated films everyone has seen. We're now going to give you our top 5 animated films everyone needs to see. Now, if you recall, I went first with this list, so we are going to kick it off with Aesop giving us his number 5. take it away aesop
1: my number five is uh, well i'm, I'm going to start off right now a lot of my movies you need to see are going to be more adult oriented uh, because I think those are the ones that people don't see as much because they don't they have that connotation of animated movie it's a kid's film or you know right. so they they just don't want to see these um the one that i wanted to start off with is like a, a film that is shot with a rotoscope. So it's already uh, really cool images. I think I know but, where you're uh, going It's got some testimony and archival footage from August 1st, 1966. It's a movie called Tower. Yep. And it's about the day of the gunman uh, with the University of Texas clock tower shootings. It is a tense film, it's also quite beautiful on top of that. There's no one in it that you're going to know, so there's no reason to mention the cast, no offense to them, but it does a great job kind of playing off these events in history that people should talk about, but they don't make it so glum right they put this this positive spin in the art to allow it to be more approachable um it it came out in 2016 so it's been been a few years at this point i really enjoy tower i really enjoy it it's something that you should just watch once and get that feeling of what happened
3: yeah i have never heard of that so you you've already got me with with a a animated film everyone needs to see so this will this is this is fun i like it uh, i will share is it a stream is it streaming anywhere i guess is the other question do you know
1: uh it says you can watch it on amc plus um, okay I don't, I don't know i'm sure you could buy it i mean that's Spotify. yeah that's their like
3: Yeah, that's like their subscription-based streaming service because AMC needed that uh, because reasons. But uh, no, that's interesting. I will share most of mine, uh, well, all of mine are animated films that children can watch, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the themes aren't things that adults will appreciate. So my, um, my number five... And it's a number five that uh, is the newest film on my list of animated films that you can watch. And we're finally going to talk stop-motion animation. Uh, (laughs) Finally, this was a project that was long delayed. It was actually greenlit about a decade ago and fell into production hell before finally being released last year on Netflix. And that is Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio which is at a level of stop stop motion animation that that I can only describe as gorgeous and far more advanced than just about anything we've seen before. It, it is not Disney's Pinocchio at all by any stretch of the imagination. No. Not even Ooh. not even Disney-fied, not even Disney Pinocchio with like Guillermo del Toro's dark pitch to it. It is truer to the source material. It is still, I mean, the the Pinocchio story, by the way, is like ridiculously long. And Pinocchio is basically just an asshole for most of the story until he becomes a hero towards the end. This one, Pinocchio is definitely an asshole uh for most of the story but you know there's it's it's set at a different time than the story it's actually set during world war ii uh under mussolini when italy is under mussolini's control uh and so there are messages about fascism that are a big part of this movie uh there are there's strong lessons and um reconciling with death and and life and 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 permanency as part of this movie and and it's gorgeous it's nominated for an oscar for 2022 and i doubt it'll win because it's probably up against something by pixar and and the oscar the oscars are safe like the oscars are always safe when they pick anything so it's very very rare that if disney doesn't have something strong that it won't it won't pick it
1: so i think you might be surprised i i feel that pinocchio might actually win
3: i think it should 100 um, percent because it's i think it's that good of a film uh, but it's also something that by a look and aesthetic a lot of families are like oh, i don't think i'm gonna watch that
1: they should yeah and you should yeah um i i watched it maybe two months ago uh i yep. would say like that the week after it came out right um, it, it is quite a beautiful film, and then to to see that they still went with the musical route was right. quite surprising too. I, I did not expect that. Um, I, I'm not I'm not crazy about it. Uh, I I can I can still look at it though and and realize that wow it, the stop motion is fantastic. Um, but I'm also not a big Pinocchio fan in general. Fair. That's because he's a dick there just hasn't been a good Pinocchio in any way, shape, or form. That's so true.
3: Thanks a lot, Roberto sure. Benini. <laughs> What's uh, your
1: number I five, man? Say, I, I will also say too, oh, yeah. Parade magazine, uh as I was kinda going through my list, Parade magazine had Pinocchio at like number four of the greatest animated films of all time. All right, let's pu- so, let's uh,
3: pump the brakes on
1: that one a little bit.
3: I don't know. Parade about that. can
1: go fuck itself. Right, that's a little crazy. Uh, uh, I'm gonna go with a Disney film though that um, might be might be a little controversial in the sense that of like people need to see it because it's it makes it feel like they haven't. I feel like this film just doesn't get the credit that it deserves as being one of the best Disney films out there. I'm going Zootopia, another 2016 film that. Man, Zootopia's really good, people. It's really good. Little Bunny, Judy Hopps, wants to be on the police force in the city of all cities for a metropolis of animals, right? But rabbits can't be fucking police officers. It needs to be stone-cold killers, carnivores, or whatever. And Then you get this weird buddy cop film with her and uh, a fucking, what's his name? Jason Bateman as Nick Wilde. It is so good. And I just feel like it does not get talked about like it should be. Zootopia is awesome.
3: I like Zootopia.
1: Yeah, yeah there we go. There it is. It's, it,
3: it's fine. <laughs> just
1: sort of we just sure sort of flip-flopped on our <laughs> right zootopia take. like i appreciated
3: i appreciated the zootopia film i i don't think we saw it in a theater um if i if i remember correctly but uh i appreciate it for what it is i appreciate it for the message that that it puts out there i do love that they flipped the script a little bit about who really is the villain what a twist um
1: I thought that but, was right my
3: notes, but but, but was, no, no 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 no. But like for kids, like kids were like what? Uh, like I knew who the villain was like five minutes into the movie. Like I was like, oh, it's this person. Uh, but I'm also you know in my 40s at the time, so good on it. No, it's a, it's a it's a great great movie. Uh, I do think it got slept on quite a bit. I do, and, and in this like anti-quote unquote you know woke america it, it gets maligned in ways that i think is just stupid so well,
1: be ready zootopia 2 is coming out hell yeah it
3: is right along with toy story 6 so mm, I don't All all like right that. yeah let's go to our let's go to our number fours and see if we can get back on track
1: uh that's me right that is you oh, wait zootopia was my number four.
3: Oh, what was your number five
1: uh my number five because i started off it was tower
3: Oh, that's right, Tower, then Zootopia. So You're it's my number, number it's on my number four. Drink wouldn't be that I I too went Disney. Um but I went Disney um in the eighties when Disney actually did take a risk in putting out a film. They put out a fantasy film that was extraordinarily dark. That sure. what? <laughs> yeah. Just i know exactly ex- where you're
1: going dark
3: horrifying had an interesting blend of animation and even some live um live action on top of it almost rotoscoping sort of stuff the black cauldron yep i love the black cauldron i watch the black cauldron all the time on television it's based on a series of books it's not even close to To anything resembling those books so if you're a fan of those books you're gonna you're gonna be disappointed in that the horned king which is basically just this giant skeleton wizard dude that is trying that is trying to find this magical cauldron that can bring forth an army of the dead to rule over the world that and he succeeds and skeletons start coming to life and rising up it's i don't know how disney went forward with that movie because they're fucking disney but they made this movie it but it but it's high fantasy it and, and it's i don't know i i part of it is just because i love swords and sorcery and that sort of stuff um but the movie itself it, it, you know it tells the tale again it's another tale of friendship it's a tale of sacrifice uh, a greedy character finally understanding the meaning of giving themselves over to others um, so that so that people can live, it's it's awesome. It's a phenomenal it's a phenomenal movie that I think was just way f- far ahead of its time for when Disney took the risk to make it and put it out there. That's my
1: uh, point. yeah. The, I uh, that's a movie that I can enjoy, but I don't need to watch all the time, right? I, I feel like if I watch it too much, it's going to lose its charm. Um, that, at least for me. <laughs> Uh, now w- w- the uh, the other thing I will complain about this movie is the side characters got their roles switched. Right. Right. Uh creeper the little goblin to the uh You mean you mean horde- Gurgi?
3: His name is Gurgi. Wait. Oh so no, you're g- talking the horde king. Your horde king side creature. My bad. I thought you were talking about furry
1: yeah, Gurgi is the other one. That, that he should be the bad guy and Creeper should be the good guy because Creeper is awesome. Right. Gurgi Gergi can burn in hell. <laughs> that thing fucking sucks. Uh but yeah, I I do enjoy the Black Cauldron. Uh like notoriously one of Disney's biggest flops. Yes. All right, uh, so is that to no? It's to you then for number three?
3: Yep, uh, I'm going back to the Don Bluth well. Uh, I mentioned that this was going on here. So when Don Bluth broke away from Disney, the uh, first sort of animation projects he worked on were uh, actually revolutionary video games that people hold uh, nostalgically. I'm looking at yeah. you, Dragon's Lair and Space Ace.
1: movie!
3: And, and Dragon's Lair 2, which came out in 91 and nobody played. Uh, but his first full-length animation a- animated film another really dark entry into the 80s uh, the secret of NIM uh, I again you wanna you want to watch a movie that that kids can can watch and be okay but is also about the dangers of like experimental science as lab rats who have become intelligent due to experimentation by this corporation Nim break free and start their own society in a rose bush next to a farmer's garden then The the Secret of Nim is the movie for you but again dark gothicism it it starts with a story about science but it it eventually becomes a a political a political intrigue film uh, with again rats combating over you know, staying where they're comfortable and feel safe or going to a place where where they won't be looked for ever again, um, by scientists from NIM. I again this is another one that I don't like it came out and people were like, This is a kids movie? It's like really dark. Like that owl frightens the shit out of people. And um, and so I don't think it got the love it deserved, which is why an American tale you know when Blues teamed up with Spielberg, exploded, and this one kind of came out and was quietly forgotten. Uh, but I, I don't think it should, and I think people should
1: watch it. John Carradine as the Great Owl is yes. uh, like really fucking freaky. Um, also, this is a great, this is an extra great one for Don, especially because originally the book rights were offered to Disney. And they turned him down, and so then Don Bluth took it and uh, you know turned it into one of his better films. And big it, middle so finger was, to Disney. Yeah, it was an awesome middle finger. Um, this is I, I I can't remember the last time I've seen this movie. To be honest, it has been a long time since I uh, have seen The Secret of Nim, and. Uh, that now you know now that you mentioned it, I kind of want to watch it again. Um, I, I don't believe you have any more Don Bluth. Uh, nope, I'm done with Don Bluth. There is a really good like retrospective on YouTube to watch all of Don Bluth's films. Huh. Highly recommend it. And you can get a good insight into the very weird serpentine career of, of ebbs and flows that is don bluth uh so i highly recommend you go and look that up on youtube it's a good like hour and a half killer
3: by the way i know critics hated it and a lot of fans didn't care for it but uh speaking of don bluth titan ae baby i will i will defend that movie till i die you can
1: you can defend that
3: movie. i know you can hate it you can hate it and that's fine i i underrated sci-fi flick honorable mention
1: i'll take treasure planet Fair. All right, uh, man. My, my number three. I'm going to go with one of the weirdly dark... Um, uh, what's this? Oh, my God. Why am I drawing a fucking blank? Uh, I, I'm going with Princess Mononoke. I really enjoyed that movie. Um, and... I, again, I'm drawing the hardest b- blank as to what the fuck studio his name it's is. It's a stu- studio, Ghibli. Ghibli. Yeah, Studio Ghibli, like uh, Hayao Miyazaki. That's the yeah. One there I'm you thinking. go. Sorry, uh, took you <laughs> took you a
3: minute, but I was gonna let you let you sort it out, but work yes, it out.
1: Princess Mononoke is really good, and it's one of those. It's one of his films that don't play in the the children's sphere at all. It is uh, about this forest that's starting to become infected and ravaged by human, the human population, right? And industry. And it is so visually appealing. It will also catch you off guard because if you've seen a lot of the uh, the studio ghibli films right the uh, spirited aways the ponyos uh, castle in the sky yeah yeah it's always so light and airy and fluffy well if you start to watch this film it'll start off by a demon boar that's being infected by something that ends up like tearing off arms and limbs of like the people fighting it it is fucking wild to start off, and right. it, I I really enjoy Princess Mononoke. I remember watching it when it first came out. I believe it was like ninety eight or uh, something yep. like that. And just being like, what? And my my grandma, who is uh, always the type of person to watch this shit with me, she was expecting that kitty film. And then as soon as she saw that, she's like, fuck yeah, I'm on board. Let's go. Nice. Uh, so it is. It, it was an awesome film uh, for me to watch. And I feel like more people should uh, watch it, especially for the message, because let's be honest, people, the earth is dying.
3: Very much so. And that positive note was brought to you by one Aesop Mitchell.
1: Tip of the cap.
3: All to you. So am I number two? No, it's no, your wait, number, two. I'm on number two. It's your number
1: yeah. two. What, you have nothing to say? I thought you were going to speak.
3: No, to- no, I just am trying to keep quiet because my Studio Ghibli film is higher on my list. And yeah, that's say a no tease, more.
1: everybody. Say no more. Uh, my number two is going to be The Wolf House. If you haven't seen this film, it is a horror film and it is twisted uh i thoroughly enjoy horror if you haven't listened to bandwagons uh bandwagon nerds before the wolf house or uh, horror films are kind of right up my alley this is some creepy ass stop motion stuff patrick i don't know i feel like you might like this i don't i might i might have to
3: i might have to check it out is it on shutter or something
1: uh what actually does it say um, I, I, I was
3: like, I have a streaming search engine. I should just use that.
1: It is weird, though. Uh, tells a story of a young woman named Maria who ends up uh, going into a house in southern Chile after escaping from a German colony. And, oh, my. Uh,
3: <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot going on there just to kick it off.
1: The, the art itself is grotesque to say the least. And they really like play up the stop motion of it all with some very intricate imageries. Huh. They they kind of do this like weird doll art to it too. Yeah, it does it appear
3: is... that you can watch it for free on Tubi.
1: All right. Um well, yeah, then I would recommend it.
3: And it, the Roku channel. Uh,
1: be prepared Do not watch this with your with it like your child. Fair. It will it will give them nightmares. It is a very weird artistic film, and like I I I clicked on the uh, the IMDb page just to read the synopsis, you know, in a more clear sense because it's it's just twisted. Watch the the trailer, and you will be like, oh, yeah, it is weird. Weird people.
3: All right, I'll have to give it a go because uh, I do like horror as well. Uh, I actually just moved a couple of Cronenberg movies up to the top of my Netflix queue, uh, so you can tell what kind of mood I'm in right now. Yeah. But uh, my number two—this is my favorite animation studio that nobody knows about. They know their most—they know the most popular movie that's been produced by this animation studio. But and this is my last uh, stop-motion animation film on on here. But my number two is a production of Laika Studios. Laika has put out Coraline, which everybody knows, uh, but I w- argue that's not even close to their best film. And, and Neil Gaiman fans, I'm sorry, it's it's Kubo and the Two Strings. It's Kubo and the Two Strings without any hesitation. It is, you know, the the hero's journey. This this boy who is looking to defeat... And, I, and I'm forgetting the name of what they call him. It's been a while since I've watched it. But it, it's, his, it's this evil manifestation of his grandfather. And his guitar is, that he plays with is magical. It only has two strings. It's the two strings. Uh, but he goes on this epic adventure to find MacGuffins to, with the aid of these special enchanted animals, a baboon, um, a knight that's uh, in the form of a beetle... Uh, he is pursued by these two twin ravens that work for, uh, I think it's the moon is, is who he's battling, if I do recall, but it's all an allegory for the trauma that has happened with his family, um, and specifically his mother. And it's phenomenal. I, I love it. It's beautiful. Uh, it's again. It's one fall. It's one flaw, in my opinion, is that it is a Japanese tale, told by mostly American voice actors: Charlize Theron, uh, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, they, they play primary characters within this. Like, there the side characters were all Asian actors, right? And that and that's the thing that's kind of disappointing is you couldn't find Japanese actors to portray kind of the leads. But like you know, like George Takai... Has has a voice role in the movie, um, and that's disappointing. But the movie it's it's another it's gorgeous, uh, it's painstaking, and Leica Studios. I don't even know if they're still in operation uh, because they put out so few films. But every film that Leica Studio put out, in my opinion, was a great film. This is just the best
1: of the best. Yeah, Leica, man, it sucks for what happens to Leica because that that film that that whole industry, that production company should be at the very fucking top of the game. It's so good, but no one goes and sees any of the Leica shit. Why? Right. Why? And, and I, I have no fucking clue as to the why. Mo- it yeah. Does...
3: They've only, they've only made six films. Like that's the thing. They have made six missing link was their Was their last one. Kubo and the Two also Strings, good. Box Trolls, Paranorman. Paranorman is great. Kid who talks to ghosts, and then it kicked off with Coraline, which did quite well. Um, yeah. So I mean,
1: Coraline also scared the shit out of every child that went and saw it. Uh, Mom so has
3: buttons crazy. for eyes, dude. That creeped look, me
1: out. Look, I'm not saying anything towards the fact. I'm just like, just know that that's why. Like, Lyta has kind of fallen off. is because it started with Coraline. Nothing against the movie. Yeah, the worst one is The Box Trolls. Yeah, that
3: one's kind of.
1: It's a fine movie. Um, So. uh, Weirdly enough, too, though, uh, the uh, owner of. uh, I should say the CEO is uh, Travis Knight, the son of Nike owner Phil Knight.
3: Right. Here, here are some things to, to note, though. On March 31st, 2021, Laika announced their first live-action film based on the action thriller novel Seventeen by John Brownlow, who is said to be a fan of Laika's previous work. It was also confirmed that the studio is currently working on their sixth stop-motion animated film, Wildwood. So they're not done. Um, February 7th, actually, you know, we're recording this on the 18th, uh, just this past uh, February, Studio announced that former Netflix executive Matt Levin, oh, was appointed as the president, live action film and series, and will oversee the studio's entire live action output, reporting directly to Travis. Knight. Okay, so Travis Knight's still in charge, but like I was like, uh, uh-huh. they've also announced a film. They announced a film in April of 2022 called The Night Gardener. Uh, as being in the works based on a screenplay by Ozark creator, Bill Dubuque. Cool. All right, we're going to go to my number one. Uh, This popped up on another project that we did ages and ages ago. It's my favorite Studio Ghibli film. I will always preach to anyone who will listen that they should see this. It's spirited away. It's been turned into a theatrical production with heavy puppetry. Uh, You were talking about how you, know, you, you talked about like Ponyo and Kiki's Delivery Service and Howl's Flying Castle and all those. Spirited Away is also on the dark side uh, of Studio Ghibli. I mean, a young girl's parents gorge themselves and turn into pigs at a carnival. Her, her bad attitude poisons everything around her as she learns to grow out of it. There's the creepy mistress woman witch thing with the giant head there it's 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 a bizarro surreal coming of age tale of this young girl growing up and and learning how to be more mature and it's it's an again everything by studio ghibli i've ever seen is gorgeous the animation is beautiful um you just can't go wrong. But this has always been my all-time favorite. This is the one that I've I bought when it came out on DVD. Then when they put out a Blu-ray special edition, I bought the Blu-ray special edition, and then I have it on. You know, you can catch it on streaming. Like I will always have a copy of Spirited Away to be able to watch. They're that they're bringing this to they're they're bringing the stage production to theaters as one of these like family fathom event one-offs. Like it's not actually seeing it in theater, like in a uh, in a stage production. I'm going to pay the money to see it because I, I love the show that much.
1: Yeah. And when we did our, our arts project, I think I had it. It was in mine too. Yeah. So uh, spirited away is just, it's unquestionable. One of the best like animated movies out there. Um, I, I I can't speak enough about that film and studio Ghibli. I, I really do just enjoy Pretty much everything they do, even some of the more dark stuff that they have done, you know, because by no means is that the uh, the lowest of the of the films as far as like the darkness factor. Right. Um, But I I love I, I do love that that animation style, the anime itself and Studio Ghibli just makes it look so damn good. 1,000%.
3: Gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. All right, sir, this brings it to you to wrap up your list before we talk about a couple of honorable mentions and then close out this program. So take it away with your number one animated film, Everyone Needs to See.
1: Uh, Number one, Everyone Needs to See. I'm going back into the anime well, and I'm going to uh, take this very tense film called Perfect Blue. Oh, that's so good. That's a mind
3: bender in a fucking half.
1: Yeah, and it's a movie that I I guarantee you, you out there listening, you did not see it.
3: It No, nope. You're right, 1,000%.
1: Um but basically it's a Japanese pop singer, Japanese, right? I believe. Yep. Uh gives up her career to become an actress and then just starts getting stalked and goes insane because of it. it. It it gets so fucking weird. You know we were talking about twist endings that people didn't see, right? That Zootopia twist ending. Okay, like we kind of figured it out you do not get perfect blues twist ending. You do not get it. You're not prepared for Perfect Blue. It it is just so so intense the entirety of this film. Uh and you feel so bad for uh, Mima. She is the the I believe the 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 main girl. Yep. And it is fucking weird. It's so weird. And it kind of has this older look to it, even for the time. Because this this came out in 97. And if you look at this, compared to Princess Mononoke, the art style by that year is so much greater in Mononoke.
3: Yeah, 1,000%.
1: I think it works better in Perfect Blue because of the story that it's trying to tell. Um so yeah go and see Perfect Blue.
3: And then while you're checking out the work of our good friend Satoshi Khan, check out his final work before he died Paprika, uh, also mind-bending crazy crazy film that you'll need to watch more than once. I guarantee you to to really catch and and try to get it and understand it. So both of us wrapping up on the other side of the world with our final selections for animated films everyone needs to see. I I was a bit more mainstream than you, but I cannot argue perfect blue. That is a that is an excellent excellent choice and one that I didn't even think of. Um so let's talk I, I just really quickly we we both know that there were a lot of selections we had on here we've gone an hour and 15 which is typically which is the longest 5 by 5 in the history of 5 by 5 so go us uh, but but we have a few other, other movies I think that folks want to talk about or that, that I think that we had on our list that were worth pointing out um, I wasn't sure where to put this first one on whether it deserved to be in the films everyone has seen or films everyone needs to see because I don't know if the following that it has is a nostalgic following that people have come back to because I don't remember the movie doing well when it came out, but I remember people loving it and speaking of it reverently now today. uh, And everybody seems to think that they have seen it or saw it at the theater, but I think they were lying. And that's the iron giant iron giant. First of all, you want to make people cry, watch the iron giant. You, you will cry for a giant ass robot. It's, it's amazing. Um, but I know that it didn't do well in theaters. Like it had a, Stylistically, it had a very like '50s and '60s kind of look about it, uh, and and told a beautiful story about a boy and his giant robot alien thing.
1: Look, and it gave the world Brad Bird. He uh, did. Say what? You, Iron Giant. I'm I I enjoy Iron Giant, but I'll tell you what, The Incredibles. The, yeah, give me, give me The Incredibles all day. Long. Sure, sad. That. that movie I could watch front to back on loop, for weeks on end. I love The Incredibles. So I'll, Iron Giant has a special place in my heart because of Brad Bird. Right. Um, you got some more?
3: I got three more. Uh, and, and I also... Uh, and the studios that produced them. So in the 60s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, there was an animation studio that cranked out every holiday special you ever known called Rankin' and Bass. Rankin and Bass also pumped out some feature film animated fi- features that um, don't get watched as much anymore the way they used to. Uh, but they they were big Tolkien fans, and in my in my opinion, put out the best Hobbit movie that was ever made uh, to this day. Don't watch that shit that Peter Jackson put out. Go check yeah. out the animated version of the Hobbit Hobbit put out by Rankin and Bass. That thing used to be used to be able to order it. Um, off of a television commercial like you could phone and have it uh order and have it delivered to your house as a vhs vhs uh, cartoon saloon is an animation studio out of ireland that puts out a lot of traditional celtic stuff which is why i love their work so much but they've put out a trilogy of films that a lot of people have probably heard about in some form of a commercial but the secret of Kells. Uh, work, wolf Walkers, and I'm gonna forget the the, the middle one in that trilogy. Um, they also put out a great Middle Eastern tale uh, called The Breadwinner, which is about a, a, a young girl in I think Afghanistan or I- Iraq or somewhere out there where she her family has been devastated by the war that's going on there, and so she is stealing, posing as a boy to earn food for her family. Uh, but Three, three animation studios that are really worth checking out if this is your thing. Rankin and Bass, Cartoon Saloon, and for my money, Laika. We, of course, talked about Don Bluth in, in length earlier in the show. So those were my honorable mentions.
1: All right. Uh, I have a couple. First, I want to mention uh, a film that is a great anti-war film. Um, in, get ready to cry. Uh, Grave of the Fireflies. Oh, God. I, I could
3: only watch that movie once.
1: Everyone should see that once that's the that's a movie that you should see it's that that requiem for a dream where you watch it once and that's all you need uh, because it, it is it is it's
3: crushing.
1: yes, it is rough people um but you should see it because it's a wonderful film. Uh, another one that I wanted to shout out this one's a little bit newer that I don't think it got the same love uh abominable this was yeah, a that's very- cute. Fun film and people needed to see that it, it, a little bit of a uh, you know getting the this Yeti back to where it belongs in Nepal just so adorable uh, and the last one yeah, yeah. Oh, god damn it which one do I want to do all right I'll go back to my my anime well because that's my thing Akira,
2: Akira oh god yeah it's
1: a classic it, that is constantly everyone is like that number one of the anime, right? The anime movies. Akira needs to be seen. You got that, obviously, like Ghost in the Shell, in the Shell, like, no, Akira should be on your watch list, people. Go and watch it.
3: Absolutely, 1,000%. And I considered putting Akira on my list. Uh, There were so much, there were so many animated feature-leaked films from when, like, my teenage and early college years when I was, deep in that because kids you may not know this but anime series while popular weren't quite as popular as anime feature films were for a brief period in the mid to late 90s early 2000s before really before and and i i hate to say it but pokemon pokemon really kicked off people then getting into anime series and watching full-length shows um you know, there's you Sailor Moon fans out there. You're liars. You were a minority, and you know it. Um, <laughs> you know it, and just don't pretend like you weren't. So, excellent, excellent choices. This was fun, Tunny. I really enjoy. Or Tony, Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, this, this is fun, Aesop, Not Tunny. Um, and I'm just gonna act like that didn't happen and move right into <laughs> tell everybody where they can find you on the Shot Radio Network and on
1: the interwebs. Yeah, you can find me online. Look for Aesop, Mitchell, A-E-S-O-P, Mitchell. Uh, You can also find me on Twitter, at Violent Aesop, at Dave and Cudahy. More importantly, just listen to me on uh, pretty much all things Chair Shot lately. Uh, Bandwagon Nerds, uh, obviously these 5 by 5s but the the big one, uh, Down the Wire. I do some pro sports stuff with my brother and it's uh it's very fun because it is not sports <laughs> like hardly ever so yeah listen to down the wire
3: cool excellent and you can of course find me every monday tuesday and wednesday on the chair radio network monday talking nerdy stuff on bandwagon nerds tuesday with David Ungar talking hockey and Wednesday talking wrestling with Greg DeMarco on The Greg DeMarco Show. You can find me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. that is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T and if you love the content that we put out there and you love what, I, what we do and you want to support us and get our name out there head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot invest in a chair shot shirt design they're only $19.99 but if you want something that feels great on your Giblets, spend a few dollars more, get it soft style, and help keep us going. Thank you everyone for listening to 5x5 animated film edition. This is Patrick O'Dowd and for ASOP Mitchell. See you next time on the 5x5. You've been listening to the ChairShot Radio Network. You're on the chairshot.com.